Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 473 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today, Erica Forsythe is back. You know Erica. She's the licensed marriage and family therapist from California. She's been on the show a number of times, and she's here today to talk with me about how to address sneaking of food. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. California residents, if you're looking for a therapist, look no further than ericaforsyth.com. I'd like to remind you that if you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes or the Defining Diabetes episodes, they're right here in your podcast player. But you can also find them at juiceboxpodcast.com or diabetesprotip.com. If you're listening in a podcast player, please hit subscribe or follow. Thank you very much. The T1D Exchange is looking for type 1 adults and type 1 caregivers who are U.S. residents to participate in a quick survey that can be completed in just a few moments from your computer or phone. This survey is 100% anonymous, completely HIPAA compliant, and does not require you to ever see a doctor or go to a remote site. Why you say would a survey require that? Well, because this data is actually helping people living with type 1 diabetes. And I wouldn't want you to get confused and think, oh, this is a trial. I might have to go see a doctor. Mm, No, no. You can actually help people with type 1 without being in a trial and without visiting a physician. You just go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Click on join our registry now and then simply complete the survey. Once you've done that, your information, which again is completely anonymous, will be used to help other people living with type 1 diabetes, and it supports the podcast. Past participants like you have helped to bring increased coverage for test strips, Medicare coverage for CGMs, and have brought changes in the ADA guidelines for pediatric A1C goals. And I'm excited to imagine what your participation may lead to. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. There's also a link in the show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. A bunch of people who listen to the show sent in questions for you, and you distilled them down into topics. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. That is fair. Great, great. And so as I'm looking at them here and trying to decide where to start, I feel like I want to start with sneaking food. Are you comfortable with that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm at a – I'll just say that I'm at a loss when people ask this question of me, and it does get asked of me a ton. You know, Mike, I, I, I don't know what to do. And it, I'll tell you what, it's almost heartbreaking because it usually ends up being these people who have figured out, they think they've got it all figured out. And then they keep seeing these like anomaly type blood sugars and they kill themselves. Maybe it's the basil. Maybe I didn't bolus the meal at lunch right and it's protein coming. And they really, they just, they're killing themselves trying to figure out what it is. 
And then one day they realize that their kids are eating and not bolusing for it. And it's, um, it seems heartbreaking when it happens to them, to the parent, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I want to understand, I mean, obviously I want to let you talk your way through it, but I feel like what we want to understand here for the parent's perspective is why does this happen and how do you work through it? Does that make sense? Yes. The why and then the how. Okay, great. So, I mean, go, go, what do you think? First of all, I think removing type one out of the equation, this can happen, you know, with children and teens anyway, um, of sneaking food, but with looking at it through the lens of type one, I would consider, has it become, has a certain, what type of food are they sneaking? Is it, is it just sweets? Um, is it crackers? You know, what is, has a food group in your house become known as bad or forbidden? And is that what the, what your child is sneaking? Okay. So are they, they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to eat candy. I'm not supposed to eat crackers, whatever it is. I would want to examine, has it become a forbidden fruit, so to speak in your household? And is that why the child is sneaking it? Because Mm -hmm. they know they're not supposed to have it. Um, And, and really just looking at, okay, why, why has that, if that is the case, why has that become forbidden? Is it because you don't feel comfortable bolusing for it? Is it that your child just, you cannot figure it out and your child reacts in a certain way? Um, so I would look at, is it is it something that they have learned or they've been told that they're not supposed to have it? And that in lies like some excitement around, maybe it's like they don't really even care, but it's exciting to sneak it. Yeah. Um, and so that that's kind of I would look at that is those first two things is it is it forbidden and maybe they're getting some kind of emotional response out of it too. And um, it, go it, ahead. Is it not possible that it could have become forbidden by mistake? Meaning maybe the kid has seen you have some weird reaction to a number at some point, and you've said like, "Oh, this you know cereal." always does this. And then maybe they think, well, I don't want to put that on my parents. Yes. And I think trying to avoid maybe any shame that has been just like placed on them by accident or, you know, gosh, I, when I eat this cereal and I go high and then mom or dad gets frustrated or angry and maybe they're not frustrated or angry with me, but they're angry at the number, but it's, pretty common then for the child to internalize I've been a bad kid I've been a bad whatever I've made bad choices Um, I'm not supposed to eat this food I don't want mom and dad to be angry I don't want to see that number so I'm just going to sneak it and pretend like it it didn't happen Mm -hmm. and then to avoid the shame but then um, we know that you know shame can just creep in and (laughs) grow um so yes, I think it can happen by accident. Absolutely. I have two um, questions. And not necessarily just by like clear, don't eat this food ever. Right. Statements. So what you just said made me think of one thing and I have a second question, but then couldn't it be possible that adults living with type one who have no one watching them, like not even like a spouse, like somebody that's there could end up in some odd way sneaking food from themselves by not bolusing for it? Is that the same problem? Like, I, do you see what I'm saying? Like, if you know that this bolus is going to go poorly, is it easier to just like say, well, screw it. I'm just going to eat this anyway and I'll deal with it later rather than put myself in a scenario where I make a bolus that doesn't work 
and then the whole thing feels like a failure throughout? Yes, I would say, yeah. And there's a lot of, right, there's a lot of steps that you're going through in your mind. Mm -hmm. And it maybe just becomes a patterned behavior where I somehow have either learned or established this pattern in my life where if I eat this certain food, whatever it is, I can never get it right. I'm just going to eat it and then I'm going to figure it out later. I'm going to try and correct it later. Um, or I'm just going to avoid the whole thing um, and, and just move on without my day. And then you're running high and you kind of go to the next thing, right? right. So I think even as adults, you can, if, as a kid, you've learned that you aren't supposed to eat a certain food group. Um, and this, this happened for me, for sure. As a child 30 years ago, I wasn't allowed to eat sweets. And so, of course, I snuck them. And then in that pattern, I became like, it became shameful to eat. And then the other issue that I think is maybe asking, answering the question why is that maybe as a child or even as an adult, you've been eating a cookie in public and maybe some kind of peripheral friends or peers or colleagues know you're diabetic mm -hmm. and they say, are you allowed to eat that? I mean, this happens to me still. Um, and it, depending on how I want to respond, I'll just say, yep, and keep going. Or if I feel like I want to give an, a, a response, I'll explain how I can eat it. Um, but that can, if you're hearing that question all the time, particularly as a child who might not have all the development, developmental, you know, ability to kind of process through, yes, I can eat it and it's okay. They're not trying to shame me. Um, that happens. And so you, that you then feel like, oh my gosh, am I supposed to have this? Why does everyone keep asking if I can have this? Yeah. So forget it. I'm not going to eat it in public. I'm going to go hide this and eat it in my room. So, sh um, so shame, mm -hmm. right. Is mm -hmm. in, in this scenario, the, the diabetes, like the function of the diabetes and how it impacts blood sugar gets commingled. It gets melded with who you are. And that's why you feel shameful about it. Is it, I mean, I yes. know, because I hear people all the time talking about, especially like old time type ones, they're very careful to warn people about not conflating you with your diabetes. And mm -hmm. I've always understood, like, I've always, I felt like I've understood that. But in this specific scenario, I can see now as you're discussing it, where the impact comes in. If I am my diabetes then the failure of my insulin use is a failure of me. This all gets pulled together into one thing, and therefore I'd rather not have this experience, even for myself, but I, but also not to let somebody from the outside see it. Yes. Okay. And, and then equating, if you're saying, okay, and then I'm bad, I'm a bad person, mm -hmm. not even just even a bad diabetic. Yeah, I'm a bad person. If I've eaten this cookie and I didn't bolus correctly and now I'm 300 and I, I'm a terrible person. And inside, in your brain and in your psyche, there's no difference between that number and you at that point. Correct. Okay. Correct. And so yes. when, when you hear somebody who loves a person who's, by the way, is sneaking food the right way to say it? I'm not usually the word police, but is is that, I guess it really is, right? It's, it's, it's eating well, without I think, bolusing. Yes. Yeah, I think eating without bolusing is one thing, but if you're doing it or or even bolusing correctly, but if you're doing it in a way that you 
you're taking food and either you're actually physically hiding while eating, which I know happens, um, or you're sneaking it without kind of, if if you are under, I'm I'm thinking from more from the lens of like a child and you're eating something without disclosing it, which sounds so terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Like without saying, Hey mom, I want, Hey dad, I want to have this apple. Um, so are, are you sneaking it? Yeah, I guess it just that it's a tough. Yeah, you're I, eating without you're eating without bolusing, but then I think there is a category for you actually are sneaking the food, hiding it because you you've learned yeah. and you're hiding and you've learned and you feel like you aren't supposed to eat it, so you're gonna hide it, hide if, it. Yeah. If you for a moment, if we take a side street here for a second, if we take diabetes out of this for a second, people sneak food, right? Absolutely. I okay. mean, particularly if like let's say you're on a diet you will say, Oh, I'm not supposed to have this. I'm going to sneak this in into my diet. Or as a kid who knows that they can have maybe one treat a day, but then they find, you know, some old Halloween candy in a cupboard, mm-hmm. they might sneak it because then they feel like, Oh, I'm, it's, it's like forbidden. It's not allowed. What about adults that hide food from family members and coworkers and stuff like that? Are we really just replacing the, acceleration of blood sugar with the acceleration of of weight and so all the rest of it's the same it's the it's just the thing that you're trying to hide is different does that make sense well yes yes and i think then you ask the question well why is that person hiding whatever they're doing yeah because they have developed this kind of shameful pattern thinking that like i'm bad i'm not supposed to do this so i don't want anyone else to see it um and so i just i need to hide and do this okay before, um, it's sad, you know. It's it is sad. I have one more question before I go to my next, my next question, which is okay. In a person's psyche, is it possible to hide something from yourself? Interesting. Is it? Well, you can think that you're hiding it from yourself, right? Um, by either mind mindlessly doing something, mm-hmm. right? Like if if we're staying on the topic of sneaking food, and you're thinking. And through the lens of also diabetes, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to pretend like I'm not eating this. I'm thinking about like, let's say you have the piece of pie or a whole pie and people just say, oh, I'm just, I'm just cleaning off the edges, right? Like mm-hmm. you think that you're not really having a piece of pie because you're just having a little bite. But then by the time you go back and do that 20 times, you've had the piece of pie. Yeah, I think there you're kind of like trying to pretend and not trying to sneak or, or hide it from yourself, but um Kind of pretending excuses. like you're not really eating it. Does that make sense? It's excuses. It's like if yeah. So there's a thing when I'm when I'm eating lower carb for myself. Mm-hmm. If I get a sweet tooth, I try to have a little dark chocolate, right? And that works great yes. for me. But it's a little bit of dark chocolate. If there's a time where I start seeing myself having the dark chocolate too frequently throughout the day, like normally it would just be <laughs> once. There is uh-huh. there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm I just use the dark chocolate to. But there's the the, the rational part of me is like, mm, yeah, you're about to break this diet you're on. And this is the way you're getting into it. Like, I can feel it happening. And I'm uh, intellectually, I understand it's happening. But I am able to lie to myself for sometimes a day or two before I go, oh, come on, you know what you're doing. And, and, mm-hmm. and put a stop to it. It's just, it's really, I mean, you're not lying. You can't lie to yourself, right? Like, you can't, you can't punch a hole through a wall and tell yourself you're picking flowers. But you, but you, but you can say it's okay if I punch this hole in the wall. I'm giving myself permission to do it. I know it's wrong, generally speaking, but I, I'm not going to punish myself over this right now. And and I wonder if that 
because because like with so many things with diabetes, sometimes we look so hard at the type one or the diabetes in general that we forget that like people who don't have diabetes go through the same thing. It's like it's exactly. like you know what I mean. Like the that's where the idea of real people sick comes from because people with type, <laughs> be, right because people with diabetes try to blame everything on their diabetes when it happens and right. sometimes you just you know there's a difference between sneaking food because you don't want somebody to see because of a blood sugar thing, et cetera, because it's become verboten somehow in your life. And Mm -hmm. maybe just the fact that you're just sneaking food um, for other reasons. And I just wanted to be clear about that. Um, So then here's the next heartbreaking part of this, especially when it's a child. Someone will say, I, I've been working on this for years. I figured out their basil. I know how to bolus for anything. Ask me, I can bolus for anything. I figured it out so that they can be healthy. It's not hard. It is not difficult to do. We do it every time. Why would they sneak food and cause themselves a problem when it's not even necessary? When we're so good at this that it wouldn't be a problem to eat whatever thing it is they're thinking of. And that part for me is particularly interesting because I just, I'm going to tell you the 20 minutes before I came up here, Arden and I intersected in the kitchen and she's hungry, but she didn't know for what. She's like, I don't know what I want. And she's kind of, there's nothing in the house, like that whole dance. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's like, like, you're like, well, what about you name nine things? And I'm like, no. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then I was like, do you just want a bowl of cereal? And she said, I don't have time to eat that. And I was like, what do you mean? I said, sure you do. Just bowl us and we'll we'll do it. No, there's, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for the pre-bolus, she told me. So I was able to say, don't, well, we won't wait for the pre-bolus. We'll over-bolus it. But I know how to handle not pre-bolus even, even for something like vicious like cereal, right? And mm-hmm. so I know how to over-bolus that meal so it won't cause her a big problem. And even if it gets out of whack a little bit, well, I'll knock it back down and she'll, or she'll bolus again or however, you know, whoever it intersects with first. But why would a kid, knowing that you are proficient at diabetes, avoid something still? Like that to me is the mm-hmm. thing that I, I watch parents, they can't make any sense of it, especially after they've put so much time and love and effort into figuring it out. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, I, I think it's, yeah, it's a very common question and concern and struggle, really, mm-hmm. because I would look at, I would want to know, it's hard to kind of give a blanket statement without like choosing an age, because I would say, are they, are they at an age of trying to demonstrate some independence or control over their life? And is this one way of them feeling like, Hey, I can eat this on my own without anyone telling me what to do or how to bolus or, you know, feeling like, is it that, is it the wanting to have some control over their own life and decision without consultation is it um, is it wanting to maybe be like their peers as if it's in a peer group situation and they're all quickly deciding to go eat whatever it is, hamburgers or ice cream, and they just don't want to deal with it? Are they, tr- is it, is it, I want to, I don't want to be different. I want to be like a peer yeah. um, or maybe going back to the basics of, you know, I one this worked for one family where they went shopping with their child to the grocery store and they said pick out everything you'd ever want to eat you know from all the aisles mm-hmm. whatever no judgment nothing 
and just really kind of demonstrating to this, this exercise helped for the family and for the child to see, look, you can eat anything. I mean, granted, within the, the guidance of maybe the family's expectations of eating your protein, vegetable, and carb, or whatever, whatever their well-balanced nutrition looks like. Right. But to say, you can also, you can eat the Oreos, you can eat the Doritos, whatever you want, whatever kind of, quote, junk food or food that you think we don't approve of, you get it, buy it, let's fill up our cart and take it home and let's lay it on the counter and you just get all we need to know is, you know, <laughs> before you want it, let's pre bolus or whatever, whatever the decision that works or to do what you're, what you're able to do um, with Arden. And so really kind of going through that exercise of allowing the child to see, to feel, to have control over picking what their favorite snacks are at the grocery store and um, giving, giving them some control of their life in that way, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. And and that bleeds into everything, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what you're making me realize, like, you're making me think of something. So when I was growing up, there was a public school and a private Catholic school kind of in the neighborhood. And as you got older, this thing would happen when the Catholic schoolgirls would graduate, they'd all cut their hair. It was the strangest <laughs> thing, right? Or they would start dressing completely different, or in some cases, like, having a lot of sex that they didn't have in high school. Like they, they made mm-hmm. these like big changes to their life. And I always felt like that was because they had grown up so kind of controlled. And I carried that remembrance into my parenting and, and I did, I didn't give my kids like, you know, drugs when they were 10 and stuff like that. I'm not like, <laughs> but, but I, I tried to let my kids have a lot of agency over themselves and to make mm-hmm. as many decisions as they could on their own. And I'll tell you, it's a pain in the ass sometimes when you're raising kids and you give them a lot of input because there are times where you're just like, all right, well, let's go figure out what the seven-year-old wants now. You know what I mean? And you're like, and you just right. need, to, you need to go or you need to get something done. Um, but it ended up paying off long-term because my children do not feel like they're being controlled by us as much as they could. And trust me, they still do because they're young people and you're always going to feel like there's something to break away from. But is this another place where we're conflating diabetes with just being alive is, is what made me wonder mm-hmm. when you were discussing it. Like I get the, I get the Pierce thing. We're all out. We're going to stop somewhere real quick. I don't have time to bolus for it or to count the fat in it and then do an, an extended right. bolus for the fat. Like, you know, you're 14 trying to decide how much fat's in French fries, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're like, hold on a second. There's a simple equation my mom taught me. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's go over that uh, while we're joyriding. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I understand that. I understand. But I do also understand just the idea of wanting some sort of control over your life. And I'm wondering if you're able to hand that control to them in other places, would it lessen their desire to find that control in this? Absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's, I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about that in our, when we talked about teens, I know we'll right. hopefully talk about that as well later, but I think, yes, giving them, finding the opportunities and the kind of windows where you feel like you can hand over that control instead of micromanaging every aspect of your child's life. And and obviously this changes over time and developmentally what they, you feel like your child can handle mm-hmm. um, and demonstrate that responsibility. But um, yes, I think giving them some other 
opportunities to say, okay, you can decide whether you want to wear your pink sweater or your blue sweater, you know, just like building that in, letting them have those decisions in their lives where it doesn't really matter, I think will help in the long run. Yeah. So from a caregiver perspective, my two questions are, how do they approach this problem and address it? And what could I be looking into myself for that would get in the way of me handling this well? Because I feel like that, like, why would they do this to me is a vibe I get from parents sometimes. Like, I put all this into this. Why is this being, like, why are they doing it? And you need to understand, like, your kids are not doing anything to you. Like, it's not an attack, (laughs) but it feels like it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And and Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it feels like it more to some people than others. And I would imagine that has something to do with their problems growing up. But those are my two questions. And I'm interested in what you think about the rest of it. Yes. Okay. So how, how to kind of move, how to address the issue. You've, you've seen your child sneak food just based on um, either evidence of the blood sugars or you've caught them in the act, so to speak, um, or they've shared with you later. I think the first and foremost, I would always want to, if, if your child does come out and say, well, yeah, you know, I did eat this two hours ago um, to immediately go to just being grateful and thankful that they were being honest as opposed to kind of going down the pathway of punitive. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when we, well, granted, we, we don't want to punish at least from my perspective personally. And then from the, my experience collectively professionally working with families, children, if they are punished for making bad choices or, high blood sugars, that is going to spiral into the shame and avoidance and sneaking further. But saying, gosh, thank you so much for, for sharing this with me. Let's, how can we, and having a dialogue, even if they're five years old or two or even three, I mean, granted younger than that might be challenging, but I'd say three, four, five, 10, whatever age your child is, even up into teenage years, like how can we avoid this? What are, and asking them, like, are there, are there foods that you feel like mommy or daddy or whoever's your caregiver doesn't allow you to eat? Cause mm-hmm. they might make a list of things that you have never, like we talked about in the beginning, you have maybe never have said you cannot eat these foods, yeah. but somehow they have learned that from yeah, externally public shame or questioning or from your response that you weren't aware of when you saw the number. Mm-hmm. And so asking them, are there things you feel like we can't, you can't eat in this house? Right. Um, I would start there. And then I would also go to, okay, um, what if, if they're a little bit older, if they are able to break it down, like, were you thinking anything before or was I not around just and without assuming that they were sneaking too, maybe you were on a phone call, maybe you were busy, maybe they were just really hungry and just were like, I need to eat this food right now. Right. Um, they can, you know, they can be impulsive. <laughs> I have a note here, right to myself to remind my, to, to say at the end of this, that to be careful not to blame people if you're not a hundred percent certain too, because you could actually cause the problem. And you're just mm-hmm. saying like, what if I just got so hungry and I'm four years old, that's not sneaking food. It's right. I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, you also made me remember that this might be a little too much, but um, when I was growing up, when I was 13, my father left my mom and my mm-hmm. brothers were five years younger than me and five years younger again. So I'm 13. That makes my middle brother eight and my youngest brother three. 
And my mom goes off to work to try to make up the difference. And I'm basically raising these two little kids after school. Now I'm 13. Trust me. I did not know what I was doing. And, you know, it, now in present time, I'll joke with my brothers all the time and thank them because I really got a lot of my bad ideas out on them um, and, uh, and really saved my own as, as, as a child parent. As as a, child yeah, as a 13-year-old yeah. parent teaching yeah. myself to yeah. drive and take care of a three-year-old and stuff. Uh, right. But, but, oh, my gosh. But nevertheless, I saw that with my younger brother, I didn't know what to do. And punitive was the way any bad thing was addressed because it's all I could think of. And I will tell you that that was tough for him. And all it would do is cause him to hide things. Like mm-hmm. we used to have this joke, like Rob's either in trouble and you're aware of it or getting in trouble and you haven't found out yet. <laughs> and, and, and as we joked about that and that rang in my head while you were talking, it really made me realize that all he was doing, like I didn't curb his behavior. He just hit it better. And that's not a resolution for him or me. Um, he's okay as right. an adult now. For anybody who's listening, he's not. Yeah. He's not, he's <laughs> so not in jail or anything like that. Uh, but um, that is uh, that's what you were making me think of when you were saying that. I don't know why I said that, but it felt like it fit. Yes. Here. Yeah. Because you think you know, as a four year old who's coming home from preschool and needs a snack, they and they know where the the snack bin is or whatever, mm-hmm. and they eat, and that's you know the child doesn't have type one, then you're not going to say, well, how could, how dare you go and get the, a bag of pretzels without telling mom? Mm. Um, and it, you know, I'm, I'm assuming mom, but as we know, it could be dad or whoever is in the home. But I, so I think we have to remind ourselves like, okay, how would I, yes, he has type one and I want to prevent the highs and I'm fearful of long-term complications because I think that's the, the sequencing that this, you know, your thought pattern is that right. At least yeah. from what I have been told. Um, and so going back to like, okay, he's four, he's hungry. How can we, how can we address this next time? Um, is it just like, okay, like, and, and, and maybe you, uh, going back to like, why as your, your second question is, okay, why the, the parent has clearly has solid competence and confidence in bolusing for any food. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've told your child time and time again, that they can eat anything. Um, and reminding them that we just need to bolus beforehand, whatever the time frame is. Yeah. And okay, so why is the child doing it? Could it be all of those factors. And now we let's say you've had all those conversations, you've eliminated, okay, the child knows he can eat anything. The child knows he just needs to tell the parent that he wants to eat something. Um, and yet he's still doing it. I think I would then look at okay, how often is that happening? Is it is it a one-off experience? Because you know, just like as caregivers, we are going to make mistakes. We are going to, we're not going to bolus enough. We're not going to um, pre-bolus in enough time. And we have to practice that grace and forgiveness towards ourselves. We can offer, we can model that for our children and speaking from like a caregiver lens. And then we can also offer that to our children because they're going to make mistakes. Now, if, is it, is it happening every day? Then I would go to my first two points of, okay, the child must feel like he can't have it. Um, um, or maybe he's just hungry and we need to figure that out. Um, but if it's a one-off occasion, then I would just say, you know what, we need to, you know, like, offer that grace and, and forgiveness on. and and you correct and move on. Right. Hey, and if it happens over and over again, as a parent, as the adult, 
do you at some point have to look at yourself and say, there must be some way I'm impacting this. It's causing this behavior to some degree. I think that would be a helpful first or second step. Yes. If you've asked all the questions and say, okay, how am I, what kind of messaging am I giving, whether explicitly or implicitly, whether it's my facial expression or a noise, like you're looking at the, Mm -hmm. if it's CGM or or, or meter and you're like, right. right? Like these simple things are, you know, toddlers can pick up on those noises and those size um, and, and even your body language. Right. And so maybe kind of checking in with yourself is what is your your kind of gut response when you're looking at the numbers? Yeah. So you and I haven't recorded together that much at this point, but I have learned one thing about you that I can't ask you to make a blanket statement because you won't do it. And <laughs> um, but it it I do want to ask you because I want to close out this episode, but I want to just ask okay. you one thing. How much of an adult's actions are they unaware of? Like how many times do we do something for what we think is one reason, but really it's not for that reason? Is it frequently throughout the day? You mean as a child, how much are they aware of? No, I mean as 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 an adult person who thinks that we're in control of what we're doing. Like how many how many times are our actions driven by something that we don't understand? Wow, yeah, that's a whole. It's a long conversation. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. I mean, I don't know. I think it depends on how self-aware are you. I mean, have you done the work in learning what your your thought patterns are and how your thoughts affect your feelings, which affect your actions? Let's say no. Most right? of like, us have that, not done that. That's all work. connected. <laughs> yeah, let's... So no, then you, yeah, you probably don't have a whole lot of self-awareness, and so everything from your raising your eyebrows, very subtle things mm-hmm. that others can pick up on you know, eyebrow raises, size, hands, like you haven't said a word and you've communicated a lot. Yeah. And so I think if you're not aware of, of your thought patterns, which connect to your actions and also your feelings, um, then you probably are, you're communicating a whole lot more than you might, than you are aware of. Okay. And I want to add to that. Thank you. I want to add to that, that it takes longer to fix than you think it would, because I've been, bat- Absolutely. <laughs> I have been battling with this for a decade and a half now, and I'm much better today than I was. But at the beginning, anything that went wrong with diabetes, I was like, like, you know, just like, I just, and it was, and it just felt like, it felt like you were trying to conquer something and you were falling off of it all the time. And you're, mm-hmm. I never had any intention of mirroring that to anybody in my life, but I did. The people around me were like, oh my God, he's upset. And so yeah. I never felt upset. I just felt like, oh, damn it. Like those little micro things. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure to put that in there. Thank you very much. Yes. This was wonderful. You're welcome. Thank you. I want to thank Erica again and remind you that if you live in California and are looking for a therapist, go to ericaforsyth.com. There's links in your show notes. If you're looking for the diabetes pro tip episodes, they begin at episode 210 in your podcast player, or you can find them at diabetesprotip.com or at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you're just finding the show and getting started with management ideas, I really think you should begin with the Defining Diabetes series, which is also available at diabetesprotip.com or in your podcast player. And if you're listening in a podcast player right now and you haven't subscribed or followed the show, please do. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with others. If you'd like to find some good conversation about type 1 diabetes, 
I suggest you check out the private Facebook group for the show, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. Answer a couple of quick questions to make sure you're a real person, and you'll be let right in. And there you will find, oh, geez, over 10,000 listeners just like you talking about type 1 diabetes. I'm going to remind you again to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and fill out that survey. It just takes a couple of quick minutes. If you're a type 1 yourself or the caregiver of a type 1 and a U.S. resident, you'd really be helping other type 1s and the show if you took the time to fill it out. And I thank you very much for considering that. This episode did not have any ads today, but I still want to thank the sponsors, the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump, Gvoke Hypopen, and touchedbytype1.org. There are links everywhere to all the sponsors, and all I ask is that if you're looking for a great CGM, an accurate meter, a tubeless insulin pump, or some really cool glucagon, use my links. And of course, Touched by Type 1 is at touchedbytype1.org. They're also on Instagram and Facebook. I hope you go find them and check out what they're doing, because what they're doing is wonderful. So if you're considering getting a Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, please use the link in the show notes or type in dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Hey, you know, you may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash tubeless insulin pump, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Arden uses the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, and I find it to be the most accurate and easy to use blood glucose meter she has ever had. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Find out about the Gvoke Hypo Pen, the glucagon that my daughter carries. Gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. I want to thank you again for listening to the show, for making it the most popular type 1 diabetes podcast around, and for sharing it with others, because that is truly how it grows. There are days, and today is one of them, where I wish I could give you everything that I have recorded right now, because there's so much good stuff coming. I feel weird not just releasing it all, but things don't work that way, and if I did that, you'd never find it. So come on back next week, where there'll be three new episodes of the Juice Box Podcast, just like every week. And we'll see what we can find that fits your needs. I hope you know how much I enjoy making this podcast for you. I'll talk to you soon.